you would please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. We'll be looking at the first 16 verses. This is God's word. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they plotted to arrest Jesus in some sly way and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him thirty silver coins. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Jesus, in the previous chapter, and as we remind you repeatedly, the chapter divisions are added long, long later. Okay? Uh, Bishop Usher went through and put in divisions for us. And um, a lot of them he got right. But, uh, but originally this all goes together. And I encourage you, as you have opportunity, when you're reading the scriptures, don't just stop at every chapter. You just read through the longer sections and you'll get a lot more from it. But Jesus has just been speaking about being prepared for what's coming, being prepared for the fact that there will be suffering in the short term, being prepared for the fact that there's going to be a return of Christ and judgment will follow. And so as that emphasis on preparedness has been taught repeatedly in a variety of ways, in chapter 26 he begins by saying to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. 
Well, why did they need to be reminded of that? Because even after he said it this time, they still didn't get it. He's reminding them of what they've been told repeatedly, and they still don't get it. They just don't get it. I don't know how many times you've been frustrated because you've tried to tell someone something and they just don't get it. But I guarantee you, God has had that experience with you. Okay? I mean, I know he has with me. All of us have an astounding capacity to ignore things we don't want to know. We just, I'd rather not know that. I hope that's not true. Gee, I hope I'm reading that wrong. I've shared before about a dear friend of mine now in heaven. I'd known him for years. I was his pastor in Atlanta. I was his friend before I was his pastor in Atlanta, before we moved to Atlanta. We'd been friends up in New England. And he came up to me, brilliant man, PhD in mathematics, and uh, which, I mean, that always impresses me. I'm, some PhDs don't impress me at all, but a PhD in mathematics from Arizona State University, that's impressive. So he'd been a professor of mathematics at Louisiana Tech. I mean, this was a sharp guy. And um, he came up to me in the parking lot of the church and he said, uh, Jim, <laughs> it sounded as if you were saying this. It was talking about God's sovereignty. And I said, yes. And he said, you, you don't believe that. And I said, yes, I do. I believe God is completely sovereign. And he said, no, you don't. And I said, yes, I do. And he said, no, you don't. And he got in his car and drove away. He loved me as a brother in Christ. He respected me as someone who has studied the scriptures and knows the Lord and seeks to do God's will. But the idea of God being completely sovereign, especially when it comes to our salvation, was such a horrible concept in his mind that he could not reconcile the fact that I believe it with what he knew and loved about me. I've had a guy who was essentially an atheist say, you really, you really believe this stuff, don't you? Not talking there about God's sovereignty, but just talking about the basic truth of the gospel. And I said, yes, I do. He said, I don't understand that. You seem like an intelligent, educated person. You know, how can you be intelligent and educated and believe the Bible's true? Well, it just doesn't fit. So I gave him a C.S. Lewis book. And I said, maybe you'll appreciate this. I saw him the next week and he said, uh, I guess I'm not as much of an intellectual as I thought. You see, if we don't want to know something, we will often just shut our eyes to it. I had a tumor growing in my parotid gland, and uh, I, I noticed it, and I 
had it checked when it was the size of a very small pea. And they said, uh, you, need to, you need to keep an eye on that. You need to monitor that. Well, I didn't. I decided since they didn't you know, rush me to the emergency room that I was probably okay. Well, it got bigger, bigger, larger, and even visible. And uh, I just ignored it until it began to hurt when I was shaving. And I said, oh, I guess I need to see a doctor about this. So I was going to a doctor for something else, and I said, hey, by the way, uh, check this out. And he was like, ooh, that needs to be removed. I said, really? And he said, yeah. He said, uh, you need to have this done, and described the procedure, and it sounded horrible. And so I said, okay, well, thank you. And I decided I'll just get a second opinion. So I made arrangements to get a second opinion, and... They acted like the, the physician's assistant who came in to see me before I met the new doctor said, I'm not sure I understand why you're here. Did you want a second opinion or did you want Dr. Montgomery to do the surgery? And I said, well, I want a second opinion and then if I need the surgery, I'd like Dr. Montgomery to do it. She said, oh, you definitely need the surgery. Well, let me just tell you something. I'm very glad that I had it done, but it would have been much easier if I'd had it done sooner. Why didn't I? Because I didn't like the idea I was going to have to have my head cut open again. Okay? I had already had this part of my face opened up so they could go in and do work in there. And then they put that back. And that had healed up and some years had gone by, but this was no fun, let me tell you. They had to remove the wall between uh, two of my sinus chambers more information than you wanted. I could tell you a lot more information about that one that you definitely don't want to know. So I didn't want this done because the way they do this is they open your face and neck down here. And they go in and take that thing out and try not to leave you paralyzed on this side. Ooh. So I just ignored the problem. It was there every day, all day. It was there through the night. But I didn't face it. Jesus said, As you know, the Passover is two days away and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. That's as clear as can be. The disciples still didn't get it. They wouldn't get it the night that he was arrested. They just couldn't believe it. Why? Because it was too horrible. Crucifixion was the most torturous form of execution that could be devised. The Romans did it not just to kill people, but to terrorize the populace to send a message every time someone was crucified, don't mess with us. So Jesus reminds them of what they already know because he's already told them. And then the chief priests and elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest whose name was Caiaphas. 
and they plotted to arrest Jesus in some sly way and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. Because a lot of people still believed in Jesus. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. Now, if, if that happened in front of you, what would you think? I mean, what would be your impression? I've tried to cut back on how much uh, cologne I use because I've, I've been told that it's, it's too much. I've told you before the reason that I used so much was because I didn't want to smell like an old person. Old people develop an aroma. I grew up around old people. And so I, I don't want to, I'd rather people say, oh, too much cologne than, ooh, when was the last time he showered? It was this morning. But I'm just telling you, old people start to smell old. And their clothes start to smell old. Everything about them starts, their furniture, everything, it just all starts to smell old. But a whole bottle? An alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. She pours the whole thing at once. She doesn't say, Jesus, I want to share this with you, and then you can take this with you. I'm giving this to you. No, she poured the whole thing out. And that alabaster jar could not be put back together. She took a treasure. This was like the equity in your house if you've owned your house for quite a while. She took her treasure and she poured it over Jesus. All of it. You read the other gospel accounts and the whole house was filled with the aroma of this act. Well, the disciples weren't just surprised. They were actually indignant. They thought they could assess this situation and that this was a waste. Check the other Gospels, you'll find the person who spoke out most loudly about this wasteful gesture was Judas. Why this waste? You read the other Gospel and you find that it wasn't because Judas was really concerned about the poor, it's because he was an embezzler. And from time to time, he helped himself to the money in their treasury. Jesus had already told them, you cannot worship God and money. But Judas had made his choice. And so to see something so valuable just poured out on Jesus seemed like a waste. Have you ever thought that about somebody's life? They could be making so much money if they would do something else. And instead, they're in this ministry position. Why? Seems like a waste. When I was first getting to know my wife, I told her 
She said she had thought for some time that she would probably be a, an unmarried missionary serving God overseas. And I said, well, you need to do whatever God tells you, but honestly, I think that would be a waste of someone as beautiful as you are. She bought it. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's just like, why? Why would a person pour their whole life into serving God? Because there's nothing that's as good as an investment. He alone is worthy. You'll never make a smarter decision than to do what God tells you. His plan for us is good and acceptable and perfect. You're never going to waste time obeying God. Whatever he tells you, obey him. He knows what's best for you. The Puritans talk about enlightened self-interest. They say this is not the best reason to obey God, but you might want to remember it if you're having a little trouble with good motivation. God knows everything. God has complete control. And your life is planned by God in such a way that his will for you is good and acceptable and perfect. So to say, well, this may be God's will for me, but I'd rather do this, is just monumentally stupid. It's insane. Do you want the gold bar or the candy bar? Oh boy, I love candy. <laughs> okay. Well, do you have any clue how much candy you could buy with a gold bar? Yeah, but I can't eat that and I can eat this. Stop a minute. This will enable you to have all the candy bars you want and give a bunch away. Yeah, yeah, but, but I want to eat right now. So you're going to choose the candy bar over the gold bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is from a new episode of The Price is Wrong. Okay? I mean, how stupid do you have to be? And yet, that's what we do every day. God says this, and we say, well, yeah, but I don't think so. Why this waste? Jesus said, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing for me. What she did was beautiful in Jesus' eyes. Therefore, what she did was beautiful. Period. Jesus said, even though these guys are ignoring the fact that he's about to be crucified, Jesus said, this is in preparation for my death. Does that mean this woman fully understood that? I don't think it necessarily does. But Jesus did. He knew what it meant. 
even if she didn't get it. There are so many things that happen in the Gospels, people saying things, people doing things, and they don't understand the significance until later. But Jesus understood as these things were falling into place. He knew exactly what was coming. He says, she has anointed me for my burial. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Do you think Jesus knew that Judas was an embezzler? Of course he did. Why didn't he bring it up? Well, probably the same reason he didn't say to Judas, shut up, you're the one who's going to betray me. He knew. But he only said what the Father told him to say. And he only did what the Father told him to do. And so Jesus said, you'll always have opportunity to do that, but you won't always have opportunity to do this. I'm not always going to be with you. They were acting as if he would be. He's told him he's going to the cross, and they still don't believe what he says. I tell you the truth. Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Well, he got that right, didn't he? He gets everything right. We're still talking about this today. Almost 2,000 years later, we're still talking about what she did. But do we learn from what she did? Why did she do what she did? Was she trying to earn heaven? No. Was she trying to impress others? No. Was she giving up on life? No. She was loving her Lord. That's what this is about, and that's the smartest, wisest, most beautiful thing that you can do with your life. Love him. Love him. Is that what motivates you to do what you do? Judas. who was really irritated by what this woman had done, who thought it was a waste. Judas went to the chief priests and asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 silver coins. Again, the price is wrong. 30 silver coins. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? But for 30 silver coins? What are you willing to sell out Jesus in exchange for? Boyfriend? Girlfriend? Job? An A in a course you find difficult? What what would it take in order for you to decide that's enough? I'll go for it. I'll tell you this, whatever it is, you're selling yourself cheap. Judas 
thought he was selling Jesus for 30 silver coins. But he sold his soul. Jesus is going to conquer death. Judas would have been better off if he'd never been born. That's what Jesus said, by the way. From then on, from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Talk about a waste. What a waste. Judas, who had spent years traveling with Jesus, Judas, who had gone out and preached the message that they were sent to preach, Judas, who had been used by God to bring healing and deliverance, he knew Jesus. He knew what Jesus said. He knew what Jesus did. But money mattered more. He had his own agenda. Oh, he'd regret it. He'd hate himself for what he did. But he chose what he did. That's man's choice. All of us are inclined to do what Judas did. Sell Jesus out for some other thing. Only God's grace can change our hearts. Taking away the heart of stone, giving us a heart of flesh. Only God's grace and take the blinders off our eyes so that we see nothing compares to him. There's nothing that comes close. I have confidence that you can all understand this concept. I know I do. The question is, what will you do today? How will you live today in the light of what you know? All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. We say it. We sing it. Will we live it? Let's ask God to make it so. Father, we come to you as those who in our own strength cannot do anything right. Our flesh has no good thing. But by your grace, we would profess our aspiration. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all.
Grant it, God. Master our hearts and minds, we pray. Rule in us by your Spirit that we might bring you glory. For we pray in Jesus' name. For his sake, amen.